Good morning, everybody. It's great to see you. Um, hope you had a wonderful July 4th week. If you're a visitor with, with us this morning, uh, we're glad that you chose to be with us. And I know what you're probably thinking right now. Probably sitting there going, man, Ronnie looks good this morning. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a youthful glow. He's got something going, going on this morning. I had to, had to throw that in there while I had the opportunity. Uh, no, for those of you who may not know who I am, uh, my name is Jake Black, and I'm the student pastor here at Golden Corner. Um, our student ministry is actually called J Walkers. Uh, it stands for Jesus Walkers, not Jake Walkers. Sometimes that gets a little confused. Um, and I'm going to talk just, just a moment up front, just a few minutes, about our student ministry, just because I have this opportunity to do so, and I don't get it a lot. Then we're going to get on to the message. We're going to get on to the morning, okay? Um, we actually have two groups in our student ministry. We have a middle school group that meets on Wednesday nights at 5.30. We have a high school group that meets on Sunday nights at 5.30. Okay? And uh, our, our, our ministry is doing very well, very healthy. We have two very good groups, tight kids, uh, having a lot of fun. Uh, but just a few months ago, Ronnie and I sat down and we had a series of conversations, okay, meetings. And when we came out of those, you know, just talking about how everything was, uh, the direction I felt that we were, we were headed, the direction I was trying to lead us uh, as a group. Uh, one, of the, one of the things we focused on was were we reaching the teenagers that we were trying to reach? Um, that was a big, you know, a big question that, that we, we talked about. And as we came out of those meetings, I think we both came to a realization of something, a sort of a trend that we see developing. And it's something that I want to bring to everyone's attention because, unfortunately, I... I want to solve it, okay? And that trend is this. We have several teenagers that call Golden Corner home, come, come every Sunday with their families. And I don't ever see them. That's, that's the truth. That's me being honest with you. Several teenagers that I have relationships with. That I, you know what I mean? It's not teenagers I don't know. It's teenagers that I do know, and I, I don't mind going up and aggravating and, and saying hey and asking how they're doing, and I see them out, but, but I don't ever see them at Jay Walker's. And, you know, it's something that I've, I've spent time, you know, trying to understand, and I know there are many reasons. I know there are many reasons. Each one is, you know, individual to itself, and I understand that. Uh, but there are three things that I'd like to say before I continue, okay? Three things, if you'll, if you'll allow me to. And first thing is to the students. First thing is to the teenagers here this morning. If you're a teenager at Golden Corn Church, and you're not a part of Jay Walkers, okay? Whether you have been or haven't. I haven't always felt comfortable to say this to you, but I do, I do right now, with all the honesty in my heart. We're different than we used to be. We're a different student ministry than we used to be. I'm, I'm a different student pastor than I used to be. And, you know, I've been, leading, I've been leading our students for about five years now, and I promise you this, I'm a completely different person in year five right now than I was in year one. Man, it used to be, you know what I mean? I, did, I didn't understand priorities, all that kind of stuff. You know what? I, I've learned some things. And I, I feel like we've grown in some, in some ways to make it, to make it better. And... Uh, if you're, if you're not a part of what we're doing, I honestly believe that you're missing out on something. I do. I believe you're missing out on something that could be beneficial for you. I believe you're missing out on something that could be fun, enjoyable. Uh, you're missing out on being a part of a group 
that's really grown together and, and cares about one another. And that's, that's hard to find when you're a teenager. That's hard to find. The second thing is to the parents. If you have students, if you have teenagers here at this church and they don't attend, I'm going to ask a favor of you, okay? I'm going to ask that you have a conversation with them about it. Just ask them. Ask them why. And, and, and I'm not saying that because I'm not pushing it onto the parents. It's not like, okay, well, I said that that one time on a Sunday morning, so now I don't have to do you know, anything. I, I have a small window of opportunity on Sunday morning to talk to the teenagers that don't come to Jaywalkers. You understand? We have a lot of teenagers, and, and I have about 10 to 15 minutes to try and run around and find them and start a conversation with them and, and, and ask them how they're doing and ask them, you know, where they've been or, you know, why haven't they come or try and introduce them to it. And it's, it's just a lot. So I'm asking this as a favor from you. Have that conversation. And if you're sitting there, you go, Jake, you know, we've had that conversation with them. Okay, I'm going to ask a bigger favor. Go ahead and have it again. Aggravate them if you have to. I mean, I'm okay with that. I'll give you permission to do that. That's what I have to do sometimes. You know what I mean? Um, and the third thing is, uh, this is to everyone, Ronnie and I both agreed that, that our church needs to know me a little better. Um, I'm not going to just jump out and introduce myself, you know what I mean? I'm not going to run and, and, and grab you coming through the door. So, so we both thought that this opportunity for me to be up here would be a good opportunity for, for you guys to get to know me just a little bit better. And we both agreed that that was good. So if y'all are okay, I'm going to share a story with you this morning. Are you okay with that? You with me? Good deal. This morning I want to share a story of a young man named Joseph with you. Now, if you are at all familiar with Joseph's story, then you know one thing, and it's very true. It's a very long story. It's a big story, a lot of stuff. So what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to paraphrase. I'm going to have to run through it. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. I'm going to leave some details out. It's okay. We're going to try and hit all the major points. I'm going to try and get it all, uh, keep us on the same page so we know what's happening, all right? Our story begins in Genesis chapter 37, and it spans over five chapters. Uh, if you've never heard of Joseph's story before, if you've never read it, let me fill you in on a little bit before we get into it. Okay, Joseph was the son of a man named Jacob. He was one of 12 sons. 12 sons. I cannot imagine what dinner was like. I bet it was a madhouse. But Joseph was one of 12 sons. The Bible makes it very obvious that he was the favorite son. He was his, his father's favorite son, and it was very open, very public. The other brothers knew this, and they didn't like it. One day, Jacob decided to show his love and favoritism for Joseph by giving him a special gift, a beautiful set of robes, something that would set him apart, something that would make him different and show the love that he had for his son uh, more than his other brothers. Sometime later on, Joseph had two dreams. And basically, the gist of these dreams was that one day, his brothers, his mother, and even his father would come to bow down at the ground before him, bow down at his feet. He would rule over them. Once they heard this, uh, Joseph decided that it was a good idea to share it with his brothers and his family. And once they heard it, they became very angry, of course. And they began asking, what kind of dreams are these? Will we actually come and bow down to the ground before you? The Bible says that while his brothers only became more jealous of Joseph, his father wondered what these dreams meant. And I believe he kept them in the back of his mind. One day, not long after these dreams had occurred, Joseph's brothers were out tending to their father's sheep. And Jacob decided to send Joseph to see how they were doing. Just check in on them. Make sure everything was going smoothly. Make sure they didn't need anything. 
Okay, so Joseph left to find his brothers, and when he finally did, and they saw him approaching in the distance, the Bible says they began to make plans. What kind of plans, you might ask? Well, the jealousy for their brother that was in their hearts had grown into hatred. They wanted him gone. They decided that they no longer cared for him, they no longer loved him, they didn't like him, they hated him, and they wanted him out of the picture. So they planned to kill him as he arrived. When Joseph did arrive, his brothers grabbed him, They attacked him, beat him. They tore off the robe that their father had given him, the beautiful robe, and threw him into an empty well nearby, and they were going to leave him to die. Evidently, they didn't feel too much remorse for what they had done, because afterwards they sat down to eat. And as they sat there circled up, one of the brothers heard something off in the distance. He looked up and he noticed a caravan, a group of slave traders, was going to come right by, and they were headed towards Egypt. Now, I don't know when, but at some point he must have had, one of the brothers had a little bit of compassion for Joseph because he devised a plan. And he circled the brothers up and he said, hey, here's an idea. Instead of killing Joseph, instead of killing, murdering our brother, having his blood on our hands and his death on our conscience, let's do this. How about we grab him, we take him over there, and we sell him to these slave traders. They'll take him off, they'll haul him off, he'll be out of the picture just like we want, and hey, we'll have a little bit of money. How's that sound? Well, of course, the brothers loved the sound of that. So when the traders came by, Joseph's brothers managed to pull him up out of the well. I'm sure they grabbed him and drug him over to the traders and sold him for 20 pieces of silver. And he was taken away to Egypt. Now, the Bible doesn't specify exactly what happens during this. I'm not sure if he was chained and shackled. I don't know if he was thrown inside some kind of cell or prison. When he arrived in Egypt, I don't know if they put him up on a stage and let everybody bid on him. I don't know if there were men walking around looking at him like he's a new car they're about to buy. But at some point during Egypt, when he arrived at Egypt, he was purchased by a man named Potiphar. And Potiphar was a high-ranking Egyptian officer. Potiphar took Joseph into his home to become his slave. But the Bible says, and this is very important, the Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything that he did. Very important. The Lord was with Joseph. Every task he was given, every chore, every project that Joseph had his hand in, God would bless. Potiphar noticed this, and of course it made him extremely happy. So he promoted Joseph, put him in charge of his entire estate, all of his property. He was in charge of the household, the slaves. He was in charge of uh, the, the crops and the fields. He was in charge of the livestock. Everything flourished. God poured out his blessings on Potiphar through Joseph. See, Joseph had this problem, though. He didn't realize it. The Bible described Joseph at this point as a very handsome and well-built young man. Very handsome and well-built young man. It's a problem I've never had. Uh, But evidently, he was eat up with it. It didn't become a problem. It hurts that y'all laughed at that. (sighs) Guys. It didn't become a problem until someone took notice. And the person that took notice was Potiphar's wife. She began to notice how handsome Joseph was and she she began to desire him. It didn't take long for her desire to turn into lust. And she lusted after him and eventually she demanded that Joseph sleep with her. Joseph refused, saying that Potiphar had put his trust in Joseph. There's no way he could do this. There's no way he could uh, do such a sin against his master because it would surely be a great sin against God. Day after day, she continued to pressure him until one day she finally had enough. 
She caught Joseph in the home alone, no servants, no slaves. Potiphar was at work, and she decided she was going to take advantage of him. Joseph did the only thing he could do in that situation, and he took off running. The Bible says that she tried to grab Joseph as he ran away, and when she did, he ran plumb out of his cloak, leaving it in her hands. This infuriated Potiphar's wife. She was embarrassed. She was mad that this man had literally ran away from her desires. So she devised a plan. She began to scream. As she, as she was screaming, servants came running into the house asking what's wrong. When they arrived, she began to conjure up a story, a lie. She held up Joseph's cloak and said, Look, look here, this Hebrew slave that my husband has brought into our house, look, he tried to attack me. Look, the evidence is right here. When Potiphar returned home, she told him the story, showed him his cloak. The Bible says he became furious. He took Joseph and he threw him into prison where the king's prisoners were being held. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, Joseph was put in charge of all the other prisoners over everything that happened in the prison. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Sometime later, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt's chief cupbearer and chief baker, were thrown into prison. Somehow, by some chance, Joseph was put in charge of them. One day, Joseph noticed there was a worry on their face. And he asked what was wrong. They replied, we both had dreams, but no one can tell us what they mean. It's eating, it's eating us up. We don't understand. Because God was with Joseph, he gave him the power to interpret these dreams. And as the cupbearer began to share his dream with Joseph, he immediately knew what it meant. Joseph told him, he said, your dream means within three days, you're going to be taken out of this prison. You're going to be placed before Pharaoh. He's going to give you your job back. He's going to give you your life back. He's going to give you your possessions back, your house, your family. Everything's going to be restored. Man, it's going to be good. And he told him, he asked him a favor. He said, but when this happens, when your life is restored and given back to you, I want you to do a favor for me. I want you to remember me. And I'm sure that Joseph told him the story of what had happened to him and how he wound up in the prison and he didn't deserve to be there. And he said, maybe, maybe you can help me out. Just remember me. The chief baker overhearing the good fortune of the cupbearer began to tell his dream to Joseph to interpret Immediately he knew what it meant. He told him, he said, within three days you're going to be pulled out of prison. You're going to be placed in front of Pharaoh just as the cupbearer. However, where his life is going to be restored, your life is going to be taken. He told him, he said, Pharaoh's going to kill you. And not only did he tell him that, he told him how he was going to do it. He said, he's going to impale you on a pole and he's going to leave you for the birds. Now, ma'am, you know, how, how do you think he felt? You say, what happened? Well, three days passed. Just as Joseph had said, the two men were taken out of the prison. Just as he said, they were placed before Pharaoh. The cupbearer was restored to his position, his life given back to him. Everything just as Joseph had said. The chief baker was immediately killed. Everything that Joseph said happened. The important thing to note is the Bible says Pharaoh's cupbearer forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. Two full years passed. Two full years with Joseph completely forgotten in prison. That's all the Bible says. That's all the details we get. Two full years passed with Joseph forgotten in prison. It says, Then one night Pharaoh had a series of dreams that upset him, disturbed him. 
ate away at him. He didn't know what they meant. So he sent for every magician, every wise man, every fortune teller in the kingdom. Anyone who thought that they could help, anyone who thought they could get to the bottom of what these dreams meant, nobody could. Nobody could help him out. The Bible doesn't specify how it happened, but finally, the chief cupbearer remembered Joseph. And I'm sure the moment he did, man, I bet, I bet chills went down his spine. I bet he felt so bad, and he immediately began to tell Pharaoh about the man who had done so much for him, and how he had promised to remember this man when his life was restored, but he didn't. And so Pharaoh sent for Joseph, brought him out of the prison, and began to tell him the dreams, and he asked if Joseph could interpret. Joseph told him, He said, it's beyond my power to do this. But God can tell you what it means. And God can set you at ease. Joseph said, God sent these dreams as a warning. Egypt will enjoy seven years of prosperity, followed by seven years of extreme famine. He said, so you need to prepare. You need to get ready in order to make it through the seven years of famine. And Joseph began to make suggestions and tell him how he would prepare, how he would appoint officials, people, guards to, to, to keep the food and ration it out and store it. it. says, Pharaoh recognized that God had given Joseph incredible wisdom and he received Joseph's suggestions so well that he put Joseph in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Pharaoh looked at him and said, you know what? I agree with you. Somebody needs to be in charge of that. Why don't you do it? And just like that, snap of a finger, Joseph went from prisoner to second in command of Egypt, only answering to Pharaoh himself. Now, I know that's a lot. It's a lot of story right there. Thirteen years. Thirteen years passed since Joseph was favorite son, betrayed brother, left for dead, sold into slavery, falsely accused, thrown into prison, forgotten, second in command of Egypt. Thirteen years. And when I look back at Joseph's life, when I look at that 13-year section, you, you know what I see? You know what jumps off the page at me every time? God was with Joseph. When I look at all those horrible things that happened to him, you know, you know what I see? You know what jumps out at me? God was with Joseph the entire time. And you may be sitting there going, ah, Jake, I mean, I'm not going to argue with you. But uh, that, that's what you see. I mean, when you look at Joseph's life, when you look at all those up and down, all those really bad things that just seem to happen to him time and time again, you see God with him. That, that's what jumps off the page at you. Absolutely. Let me show you. At the beginning of our story, a detail that I left out. When Jacob first sent Joseph to check on his brothers, they weren't at the location they were supposed to be. Now, I don't know the reason, but for some reason, they had decided to move the herds of sheep that they were tending to a different location. You say, well, why? You know, what's the big deal with that? Well, because they needed to move to a certain location where a group of slave traders were going to pass by. A group of slave traders that were going to be instrumental in taking Joseph to the place that he needed to be. So you ask, why did they move? God moved them. God was with him. That's why they moved Then, after Joseph was attacked, stripped of his clothing, uh, betrayed, thrown into a well by his own brothers. When I think of Joseph at the bottom of that well, every time I picture it, any time I read this story, man, I picture two people down there. Two people at the bottom of that well. You say, what do you mean? And I say, God had to be with him. 
God had to be with him. And you go, Jake. I mean, that's, that's the lowest point of his life. That had to be. That had to be the worst thing that has ever happened to him. How can you say that God was with him? I'll tell you this, because he was alive. And he wasn't dead. And there wasn't any reason for him to be. The brothers didn't decide to keep him. They decided to kill him. But for some reason, for some reason, they had a slight change of heart. A slight bit of compassion. And they decided, you know what, we're not going to kill him. We'll throw him in this well and keep him alive. I know what caused that slight change of heart. God intervened. God protected him. God was with him. God was with Joseph at Potiphar's house. That's why everything he touched flourished. Anything he was a part of, he blessed it. That's why when he was thrown into prison, he was not executed when he was falsely accused of assaulting his master's wife. God was with him in the prison. That's why Joseph just happened to be placed in charge of the Pharaoh's cupbearer and chief baker, the men that would eventually lead him to his promotion, to where God wanted him to be. God was always with him. Even when things seemed to only go from bad to worse, even when life seemed to be unfair and harsh and unforgiving, and we know that life can be that way, man, God was there. God was there even during those times. He was right there with him. And the point that I want to make this morning, the thing that I think we can all take away from this story, the thing that I think we can all be reminded of this story is this. God is with you even when it's tough to see Him. Y'all get that? God is with you even when it's tough to see Him. Now, I don't know where you are this morning. You may be going through a period of life where you don't feel like you see Him at all. Jake, there's no ways with me. There's no way He's here. Not during this. Not during what I'm going through. A dark time right in the midst of a storm, and you may feel like God is nowhere to be seen, but I'm here to tell you, I believe He sent me this morning to tell you, He is there. He is with you, and not only is He with you, He is working for you. God is with you in every situation you're facing, no matter if it's at work, no matter if it's with the boss, no matter if it's with your family, no matter what circumstance, God is there, and He's blessing you right now. Even if it's tough to see Him. He is orchestrating things for you. Making things work out for your good. He's softening the hearts of those around you. Intervening for you, protecting you. Joseph's life is a constant reminder to us that God will always be with you, no matter what. Even when it's tough to see you. Guys, I'm going to get a little personal with you, if that's okay, this morning. I'm not normally the one to say these kind of things. Um, I've, had, I've had a really tough week. Just me being honest with you. I think you can relate. You, you know what kind of week I'm talking about. I've had a really tough week. And I've had somebody after me this week. That's being honest with you. I've had an enemy after me all week long. I called Tim last night. And uh, he didn't answer. He texted back a little bit later and he said, you know, he didn't have signal. Uh, and he called me back and he gave me a little thumbs up. Uh, what, I, what I know he was, 
he was actually saying was, uh, man, I hope, you, I hope you're good. <laughs> I hope you're good. You know, I need you tomorrow. <laughs> um, it's been a lot of things. Uh, I think most of you know uh, my daddy has been going through a lot of health stuff. And uh, he's here this morning. I didn't know he would be. Um, but he was in the hospital for almost a week into early this week, then, you know, the entire time I knew uh, that, that this, this day was coming, I was going to have this opportunity, uh, so I needed to be preparing for this. Um, on top of that, uh, my grandmother, his mother, has been going through some health stuff. She had surgery Friday, uh, so, so that's been kind of stacked on top of it a little bit. Um, and then just the anxiety, I mean, just the nerves, and, and this is a great opportunity, but this is, you know, this is big for me. Uh, so I had all that preparation to do this week uh, for this morning. And then on top of it, it's a holiday week, so I feel like I lost a day anyway, right in the middle of it. Um, Praise week is right around the corner, and this is the only negative thing you'll ever hear me say. It feels like it's kind of looming when you when you got a lot of stuff, you know what I mean, trying to make sure everything's prepared, everything's ready. You know, uh, this week I've been looking at it, and it's kind of been just right here. This isn't a pity party. I want to say that. I knew somebody was after me this week. I knew somebody, I, I knew I had an enemy that was just trying to, to push it into my mind. Jake, you know, man, why don't you just, just don't do it. No, nobody's going nobody's gonna to say anything. Everybody understand. You know what I mean? Just, just step away. Take a breather. Everything that I just described to you, though, that's life. That's what that is. That's life. My students, that, that they know me well enough now that I, I'm a big, that, that's my thing. Life is life. That's my saying. Life can be incredible, and it can be joyous, and you can love it, and it can also beat you down, and it can be stressful, and it can be a lot. That's what life is. And I, I told Tim, I said, man, you know, this it was a really cool opportunity when, when I felt like God had laid this message on my heart because I told him, I said, I'll be honest with you. I think God's sending this as much for me as he is for anybody else in our church. <laughs> a constant reminder that when life is life, and it is tough, and you are stressed out, and you are beat down, and it seems like everything just keeps piling up on top of each other. Man, God is with you. And He is working for you. And He is blessing you. I know He sent that for me, but I believe He sent it for somebody else. Somebody else who's here this morning. Man, God loves you. He is there. No matter what circumstance, no matter how low you may feel, He is right beside you. And I know it's tough to see, and I know sometimes we get in a place where we don't even want to look for Him. We don't want to see Him. He's there. That doesn't send Him away. He is there, and He is working for you, and He's trying to orchestrate things for you that you don't understand, and that we may never understand, but He's trying to do that because He loves you. Because He's blessing you. Because He'll always be right there. Let me pray for you.
Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you so much for being with us. God, I know there's someone here today. They're going through life. They're going through life, God, and it is absolutely beating them up. God, things are stacking on top of each other, one thing after another. They're afraid to raise their head because they're afraid of the next obstacle they're going to face. God, but I also know something else. And that is you are with them. Even when it's tough to see, even when we don't want to believe, even when we don't want to raise our heads to look around for you, God, you are with us. God, and you are orchestrating things for us to work out for the better of us. Lord, you're protecting us. You're intervening on our behalf. Lord, you're loving on us. You're blessing us. God, and I know at some points that can be so hard to believe. That can be so hard to see. God, thank you for this reminder. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for this opportunity. Lord, and I pray that each and every one of us can leave here today and not leave this behind. Lord, I pray that we leave and we take a second out of our day to look around. Look around in the midst of whatever we're in, Lord. If it's a storm, if it's a situation, look around and try to find you. God, because you're there. It's going to be tough, Lord, but we have to believe that you're there. and We have to believe that you're working for us. I challenge us to do that, Lord. I challenge us to find you today in the midst of whatever it is we're going through. Thank you, God. We don't deserve your love. We don't deserve for you to be with us. Thank you. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys, for this opportunity. We love you. You're dismissed.